It's January 15, 1903, 1 p.m. on a brisk day. A man walking home for lunch stops on the bustling corner of Main and Gervais Streets, across from the South Carolina State House. He is shot in broad daylight. Who shot him? The lieutenant governor from one of South Carolina's most prominent families. However, the man walking home for lunch was not just any man. He was the editor-in-chief and co-founder of the state newspaper. He died a martyr for free speech, but almost no one remembers. His name was Narciso Henner Gonzalez. I'm Alexander Roberts. And I'm Avery Goodale. And we are here to tell his story. While Columbia was a forward-looking city, the state as a whole was not so progressive. The Tillman family, led by Benjamin Tillman, worked to keep whites in power. His nephew, Jim Tillman, came to power by way of his uncle and served as the lieutenant governor from 1901 to 1903. Meanwhile, Narciso, Ambrose, and William Gonzalez, children of Cuban revolutionary Ambrosio Gonzalez, were fed up with the abuses and corruption by the Tillmans and founded an anti-Tillman newspaper, The State. We went to the obelisk erected in Gonzalez's memory, where we met with legal prosecutor Donnie Myers and state newspaper journalist John Monk, both of whom are experts on the case. This is John Monk. I think Gonzalez really believed that being a journalist was a noble mission. I mean, he was, he was out to shine light on what he saw as the abuses of today. According to Donnie Myers. And Gonzalez had made the statement, I hate Timon so much that he's repugnant that I even hate to write about him with my pen because it makes my pen foul. Here is Travis Bland, current crime and public safety journalist at the state newspaper, speaking about the scathing editorials Gonzalez wrote about Jim Tillman. He called him things like a liar, a drunkard, a debaucher, a gambler, a criminal. And, uh, well, after all that, James Tillman did lose the election. Citizens rallied around either man, creating deep divisions within Columbia. After five months of silence between the two, Tillman still fumed with anger at his loss. Blaming Gonzalez, he decided to strike out in broad daylight. It came down to the, about the last day that Tillman was in office. Gonzalez had been by the state house that day, saying, as, uh, we're finally getting rid of him, he's going to leave. And uh, lunch break, Tillman walked out steps of the Capitol. He had two senators on each side, and he crossed over Jervais Street and down Main Street. Here is Alexia Helsley, South Carolina historian. And without provocation, Gonzalez never said a word. Tillman pulled a, a pistol from his pocket and shot the man. We spoke with David Barron, great nephew of Narciso Gonzalez, who firmly upholds the Gonzalez side of the story to this day. And, and, and said, shoot again, you coward. Um, you've already killed me. Shoot again, you coward. <laughs> I just think that's such a great last line, right? Several men who were there uh, took Gonzalez to the state newspaper office, put because he's bleeding profusely, had an abdominal wound. Uh, they put his head on a stack of newspapers, and he asked them to contact his wife. And he's giving interviews. Gonzalez, they took him to the hospital, old Columbia Hospital. He languished there for several days. Things got worse, and they even brought in a doctor from New York to try to help Narciso Gonzalez died three days later. They said at the time it was the largest funeral in South Carolina, except for the great Wade Hampton. 
Gonzalez was considered by his contemporaries a martyr to the freedom of speech. That's the only reason he was shot. He was shot for the editorials he wrote. While people mourn the loss of Gonzalez in the name of free speech, Tillman enjoyed uncommon privileges in jail. I don't know if you've ever visited a jail, but it's quite unusual for a prisoner to have a private cell, which Jim Tillman did, and to be able to bring in his personal furniture. The trial of Jim Tillman began on September 28th. According to John Monk, It was the crime of the century, and it produced the trial of the century. Tillman's unprecedented privileges continued with the location of the trial as his defense had moved to rural Lexington County, where Tillman enjoyed such strong support that his defense team was able to hand-select the jurors that would hear his case. Their theory became of all the bad things that Gonzalez had said about Tillman, he needed to be shot, and Tillman was just a man to do it. The state had an ironclad case, I think, because they had a police officer seeing that he could get shot. The jurors deliberated 20 hours before they found him not guilty and said it was self-defense. There's a rumor that two of them thought he was. Soon after, people from all over the nation supported a monument in Gonzalez's honor. Today it still stands as the only publicly funded monument to a newspaper editor. Despite the many years that have passed, the feud still remains personal for many, such as David Barron. Big party, a lot of people, and I was walking through his dining room, getting ready to go downstairs to chuck some oysters in the backyard. And I saw a little, little old man that I thought I recognized. And I stopped and I backed up and I stuck my hand out and I said, I didn't know who he was. I said, I'm David Barron, just sort of curiously knowing he would introduce himself. And he said, I'm Saul Blot. Well, Google saw blood at some point. Uh, his father was the boss of the state. His father was heir to the Tillman um, right to control the state. Now, by this time, Saul Blatt was a lovely old man, gentlemanly. He was a federal judge. And I, being my father's son, when he said, I'm Saul Blatt, I said, Judge, I'm N.G. Gonzalez's great nephew, meaning you know who I am, and I sure as hell know who you are. And I said it gentlemanly. And he said, yes, the duel. And I said, no, sir, it was an assassination. Although over 100 years have passed, the story remains relevant in the world of journalism. I like to think that a good writer should be a writer worth shooting, you know? I mean, if you aren't making somebody angry or, or thinking somewhere, you're not doing your job. I got a helmet and some goggles to cover protests and other uh, events. I was told not to wear my press badge around my neck because somebody could choke me like that, you know? So I guess what that all shows me, you know, is that like in the time of Gonzalez, there's such political divisions that it's become dangerous for people who write. Freedom of press is written into the constitution, right? Like we tend to emphasize things as important that are in the constitution. You can't have democracy without freedom of press. You know, the, the importance of journalism, that's a job of serious consequence. Thank you to Alexia Helsley, Travis Bland, John Monk, Donnie Myers, and David Barron for their contributions. And to our listeners, thank you for tuning in.